want to start with a question. Is this, what would you attempt to do for God with the rest of your life if you knew you wouldn't fail? Think about that for a minute. What would you attempt to do for God with the rest of your life if you were sure that you just, it wouldn't fail? My guess is that whatever you're thinking of to answer a question like that is something, it reveals something about your heart, something that you are passionate about. And today we're talking about the heart. Uh, we're continuing in this sermon series called Shape, considering God, how God has uniquely shaped each of us uh, to, to, for good things that he's prepared for us. And the H in, sh- in shape is for heart. Now, the Bible talks a lot about the human heart. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, when the Bible talks about the heart, it, it's talking about the, the innermost part of a human being. It is the seat of emotion and desire and thought and decision. That's the heart. A lot of things, according to Scripture, can live and reside inside the human heart. Things like anger or joy or love or fear, courage, all of that lives in the heart. Scripture says that a heart can be very hard or a heart can be soft. A heart can be divided. You can either have a whole heart or a divided heart towards things. There's, there's a lot of different notions of the human heart. We, a lot of these same notions we carry into our thought today when we use the word heart. You might say to someone, I love you with my whole heart. That's the same idea, all of my inward being. It's kind of the real you is the heart. Two people could say this very same thing or two people could do the same thing, but one person Their heart is in it. They're doing it with a whole heart. The other person, their heart is not in it. And yet they're saying and doing the same thing, but there's this inward reality of the heart. That's the true and the real you. So the word heart, when you're reading through your Bible, it has this massively broad range of definition. For this morning and for our purposes today, when I say heart, I'm talking about passion, your deepest longings and your desire. That's what we're talking about um, when we talk about matters of the heart. There's going to be, deep down inside you, there's going to be issues that you just instinctively just care so much about, you're just passionate about. There's other issues that will come up that you just, you're just bored, you don't care. It's because you have a different heart than someone else towards different things. What we're going to see today as we look at this is that if we put God in the right place in our lives. If we put God in the center of our lives, and if we delight in God, then the desires of our hearts will line up with his good purposes for your life and the good things he has for you. So God's good purposes in your heart are going to align if he's in the right place. And then when you, you use those things, when you find those things and you serve others in those ways you're not doing it out of duty or obligation. You're doing it out of a deep desire and passion and joy. And it's a beautiful thing. Last week, we talked about spiritual gifts, that God has gifted uh, each person, each believer in unique ways. When we talk about spiritual gifts, that's how you serve. That's your, your gift, your role. Now, if we align your spiritual gift with your heart, that's going to describe 
where you serve or who you serve. So for example, somebody might have a spiritual gift of teaching and they have a heart for children and you start coaching your daughter's soccer team and you just come alive. It's just so great. And someone else said, good for you. I would never want to do that. Or maybe you have a spiritual gift of discernment and you have a heart for entrepreneurship, and you get together with your startup with all these young, energetic coworkers, and you're bringing wisdom and, and sound reasoning and discernment into that system, and you just love going to work every day. Or maybe you have the, the spiritual gift of serving, and you have a heart for people who are hungry, so you just go cut vegetables at Korunum to, to prepare a meal for people who are hungry. And in any, and I choose those three examples. One is in the community, one is at work, the other is at a Christian ministry. You can live this out anywhere where you're using your spiritual gifts and the heart and the passion that God has given you to be a blessing and to live fruitfully wherever you are. So I want to unpack this. I want to just take a first a look at what the Bible, kind of big picture what the Bible says about your heart. And secondly, how God works through your heart and your desires. And we're going to use Psalm 37 to do that. And then thirdly, uh, understanding some ways to to know uniquely how God has shaped your heart. Let us pray. Father, it it is good to worship you. It is good to be together as a people sitting under your authority and in your very presence, Lord. You know our hearts better than we do. Um, You desire our hearts, that we would love you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would um, teach us during this time. We submit ourselves to you. We pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right, first of all, what does the Bible say about your heart? And let's start here in Prophet Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? People of God, hear me. Do not leave this place today and say, the pastor said, follow your heart. Trust your heart. Your heart is deceitful above all things. The human heart is very sinful and broken and cannot be trusted. But... We have a God who knows our hearts better than we do. We have the God, as Scripture says, who searches the heart and a God who desires to give us new hearts. The prophet Ezekiel says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. God wants to repair and heal your heart and, and and then wants to change and to strengthen your heart. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 says, may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. That you are in a process that is, as you trust God, that he is renewing and restoring your heart and becoming more and more like Christ and more and more holy and good and that, so that your heart and your passion, your desire, your affections are all becoming more and more in line with God as you follow him. But it's not just trust your heart, it's as you follow him. The, the point here is we all have broken hearts, sinful hearts. God desires to renew them, to, 
to, to heal our hearts, to save us from that condition and to transform our hearts to be like his. It's all because of the work of Jesus Christ. Think of the heart of Jesus Christ. His heart was to come and to serve and to save and to give his life as a ransom. And scripture says that Jesus set his, at one point in his ministry, he set his face resolutely to Jerusalem, to the place where he would die and give his life for you and for me. And he was passionate. He was resolute to fulfill the will of God the Father by giving his life. And scripture says it was for the joy that was before him, that Jesus, the bad news is Jesus had to give his life for us. The good news is that he wanted to give his life for you and for me. That was his heart's desire. And because he did that, we can have new hearts and our hearts can become more like his. So how does this dynamic work? I look now to Psalm 37 here. In Psalm 37, it's a great psalm. It's actually a a acrostic poem. So, you know when you write an acrostic poem, you know, you write your name, and then you write words about yourself in the poem. You do that in elementary school. That's a very ancient form of poetry, a very beautiful form of poetry. Psalm 37 takes every letter of the Hebrew alphabet right down, and it has each, each couple of lines starts with that letter of the alphabet. And just looking at the first section of this poem... The, the theme of this poem, or the issue that's addressed here, is that we live in a broken world where there's evil and wicked people and there's sin and brokenness all around us. And how do we live as people of faith in that broken world? How do we respond? So look at verses 1 and 2 here. Psalm 37, 1. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong, for like grass they will soon wither, like green, like, like green plants, they will soon die away. The, the idea is, look, there's evil in the world, but you don't need to fret about it. You don't need to be overly concerned with this because it's in God's hands, ultimately. They, the evil will fade away. God's justice will be known. But here's what you are to do in verse 3. Instead of worrying about this, verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy, and enjoy safe pasture. Instead of focusing on all the evil around you, focus on God and focus on the good things that he's called you to bring into the broken world. And then verse 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. This is obviously a key verse for us as we consider the heart. That as we delight in God, as we focus on him, he is then giving us the desires of our heart. Not just trusting your heart. Not just following your heart, but following him, desiring him, and then the desires of our heart become aligned with his way, and and he fulfills those desires. And then we can pursue them fully. An important note here is verse 8. This also becomes important for us. It says, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. In the context here, this is, and in the context of what we're talking about, this is actually very important. Because we need to ask the question, my heart, the things that I'm passionate about, am I passionate or am I angry? We live in a world that's just outraged at everything that's wrong. And you see it, you know, political outrage, you know, 
people on the right and on the left are just so incensed and outraged by the condition of the world and by what the other side is trying to do and, um, and, and on all sides. And people are just so incensed and outraged and fired up everywhere. And here in verse 1, it says, do not fret. In verse 7, it says, do not fret. And in verse 8, it says, do not fret. The word fret in English is, you know, it's about fear or anxiety. In Hebrew, it literally means do not get heated or inflamed. So the command here is you live in an evil world and there's broken systems all around you and there's people who are pursuing things that are going to be destructive for the world. Don't get heated or inflamed or angry. Don't get all worked up or fired up about this. You're going to see it. It may make you sad. It may break your heart. It may stir up passion within you, but don't become angry in that because God's way is not for his people just to become angry, but for his people to enter into the wickedness and do what is right and do what is good and to speak truth into those places. God's way is always to overcome evil with good. Verse 3, do good and don't become angry. Or we, we hear this echoed in the New Testament in James's letter, chapter 1, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Or in Romans chapter 12, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There are the things that we are just passionate about, but there's that fine line between being passionate about changing our world and being angry. And here in verse 11, the psalmist says, the meek will inherit the land. And Jesus said that same thing. The meek will inherit the earth. He said that in the Beatitudes, very famous teaching of Jesus. Meekness is not weakness. It's about, it's about humbly accepting my role to enter the world, to do what is right, not just to be outraged. And as we, we look at our evil world, we focus on the Lord, we trust him, we delight in him, and then we see that the things that we are now focused on align with God's passion. So how do we find it? Or how do you understand, sitting here today, for those of you online, how do you understand how God has uniquely shaped your heart and your passions? Five diagnostic questions quickly. And these are from uh, Pastor Eric Reese. I found them helpful, so I'm just going to use them um, the the way that he taught them. But the first question is, what drives you? You know, what motivates you? What do you crave? What do you dream? You know, my passion in ministry is what I call whole life discipleship. When I, it's, it's not about, um, my passion is not uh, for, to, to have a huge church or to, for, to uh, uh, whatever we can accomplish together. Those are great things. My real passion is when somebody finds God in the most mundane thing of life. That somebody gets up and they go to their boring job and they see that God is there with them that God is using them in that place or in a, your, for students in your most boring class or while you're studying, that you know that God is with you and that he has something for you in those places. When people find that and they tell me the story, I just, that's the best. I will, I just, that, I'm passionate about that, but other people may not be as passionate about that. But what drives you? What motivates you? Second question, who do you care about? Who is God nudging you to help? Is there a certain people group or an age range or an affinity group that you feel that God might be calling you to influence? Who do you care about? Do you care about the young, 
or the old or the unborn or refugees or business owners or moms or prisoners or veterans or disabled or who is it that you have a heart for? Because we all have a different heart for, for different people. You're uniquely shaped. And also, don't get discouraged if other people aren't as passionate about that people group as you are. How come you're not passionate about this group? They're so important. You say, well, this group is important, and I'm passionate about them. We have people in our church who volunteer at the Pregnancy Care Center, which is at the, the earliest stage of human life. They are just passionate about that. And we have people who volunteer at hospice houses at the very last stages of human life and everywhere in between. There's people who God has called us to love and to serve, and God has shaped your heart towards, perhaps, towards a specific group of people. Third question is, what need will you meet? If you, if you are going to meet a specific need and you're passionate about it, you're, gonna, you're much more likely to grow in that and to be fruitful in it and to try harder in it because you care about it um, than things that you're just, you don't care about. My my friend Nancy Chaludian, she passed away this spring. This would have, her birthday would have been this week, and I've been thinking a lot about her. And she was just a wonderful woman of faith. And she was passionate about numbers and bookkeeping. Who's, who is passionate about these things? But she was, and we would tell her. We said, we are so grateful that you care so much about these things. But because she cared about it, she was our, our, our bookkeeper. Her role, she was learning and growing and looking at our systems. And she grew into this more of like a business manager role to really help us be more efficient and to do things correctly and in reporting. And she just kept growing and learning because she cared so much about it. She also had a heart for the poor and for the homeless. And she was part of the, the bridge ministry, the, um, the Dream Center, Merrimack Valley Dream Center. And she noticed that they also needed help with their finances and bookkeeping and their numbers. And she devoted herself and giving her time to helping them get their, all there. But because she was passionate about numbers and um, financial health and good stewardship of God's resources, she really was able to learn new things and grow and help new organizations. And she was amazing at that. It's where your, your, your gifting and your passion aligns up with a group or a, or, or a cause that, that you love. It's, it's beautiful. She had a beautiful ministry. The fourth question is that. What cause will you help conquer? What cause? Is it a pro-life cause or addiction recovery, marriage support, parenting support, grief support, personal finance, human sexuality, human trafficking, environmental issues? Health and fitness, mental health issues, homelessness, legal justice issues, racial reconciliation. What's the cause that you're passionate about? There's no shortage of causes. But how can you align the, the one that's, that you care the most about? Where's your heart? You know, if time wasn't an issue, you know, which of those things would you really give yourself to? And the list can go on and on. And the last question is this, what is your ultimate, <clears throat> excuse me, what is your ultimate dream for God's kingdom? And that goes back to that first question. If you could do anything for God and you knew you wouldn't fail, what would you do? We want to help you find that. That's why we're doing this whole sermon series. 
We want people to know how God has shaped them, including the things that they're passionate about. To be a blessing to your world, to follow God. We want you to love what you do. Don't waste your life on things that you're not passionate about. I'm sure we've all met someone, maybe a young person, who said, you know what, I took a job that I really don't like so I can make a lot of money so one day I can do the things that I really love. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life in a job that doesn't express your heart, pursuing things that you don't care about. Delight yourself in your God. Put him at the center of your life. Pursue him. And those desires of your heart, he's going to give you those desires to love and to serve. You mix that, you mix your heart with the spiritual gifts that he's given you miraculously. And it's, I've heard it described, it's like rocket fuel. It's powerful when those things align with each other. Let us pray. Father, I pray this would be true for everybody, that we would find those things that you stir in our hearts as you are forming and shaping and healing our hearts, the the things that we care the most about, that we would just pursue them with a whole heart and that it would show your love and um, your goodness to this world. When we do live in an evil world, Lord, and we we see just terrible ideas all around us and we um, we see harm that's caused to people and Lord, we can't solve every problem in the world, but you have shaped us to to make an impact where we can, Lord. Give us wisdom. Give us hearts of faith to know it and to follow it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.